Welcome to the CityGate Church podcast. Today's message was recorded at our live Sunday services, and we hope that it encourages you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We are going to carry on today in our series on the book of Acts. And um, last week we spoke about how to deal with demons and colliding kingdoms. And that was a day of, of, of incredible release for some people. And if you've not watched that, I'd encourage you to watch that. In fact, if you've not seen the series, I'd encourage you to go back and watch the series. Uh, again, I say this every week, but I know we have a lot of new people and, uh, you know, people that haven't been around perhaps or whatever. So um, it's a series on the book of Acts, which I'm aiming quite sort of highlight, just sort of trying to get the highlights of the book of Acts. What seems to happen all the way through the book of Acts? And we find out about the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. We find out about, you know, uh, there's power and there's faith in the name of Jesus Christ and all of these things. So today um, I'd like to turn to Acts chapter 16 and I know we spent a little bit of time in Acts 16 last week and that was to do with how to deal with the demonic because there's a demonic situation here but we're actually going to read the whole whole lot down to verse 38 uh, because it's a very powerful passage. So it says in Acts chapter 16, verses 1 to 38, it says, Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of fortune telling, she came out to us and she made a lot of profit for her masters. The girl followed Paul and us, cried out, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. She did this for many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed. We got greatly annoyed last week. Anybody else get annoyed? I got annoyed last week. It's like, come on, this is, this is enough's enough. I got annoyed for, you know, for some other people last week, not just myself. I got annoyed for some people that keep coming up against the same mountain. Keep coming up against the same limit. Keep coming up against the same uncontrollable habit. And uh, we turned it around in Jesus' name. So we got greatly annoyed He turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when the master saw their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas. They dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. They brought them out there to the law and said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. They teach customs which are not lawful to us, being Romans to receive or observe. Then the crowd rose up against them, tore their clothes, of those in authority. I mean, they got really cross. They got really cross. I don't know what sort of days we're heading into, but, you know, to be right with God is more important than being right with the world. Because the world is not our plumb line. The kingdom is our plumb line. It says they tore their clothes, the magistrates tore their clothes, commanded them to be beaten with rods. I watched a film the other day, or no I didn't, sorry, my son watched a film the other day and I came in towards the very end of it. And it's the sort of film that you see the very end of it and the whole film just comes back like this. And it was... um, uh, 12 Years a Slave. I'm sure we've all seen it. 
Powerful, powerful film. Can't fail to be impacted. But the thing, you know, a whole load of things that impact you on that. And I'm sure you've seen The Passion of the Christ when, when you know, Christ was, was scourged at the whipping post. If you've not seen it, it's very graphic. At the time that came out, we hired out the Odeon Cinema and we, we, we invited friends and we watched it en masse over there. I'm glad there's another film coming out about the resurrection. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> but, you know, I came in towards the end of the film the other night when this girl was being whipped and beaten. It's very easy to read scriptures like this and just let the scripture just sort of fly over your head. They were beaten with rods. I mean, some of us scream and cry if we hit our finger with a hammer. Hurts. These guys were beaten with rods. And they were beaten with rods by people who know how to beat people with rods. You find out about, you know, Paul and he says, I was beaten with rods, I was whipped, I was scourged, I was stoned, I was left for dead, I was shipwrecked. And, you know, we read through this stuff, uh, you know, just as though it's just a little verse really. But let's, let's get into what he's saying here. These guys were beaten. And they had laid many stripes on them. And they threw them into prison for setting a girl free from a demon. For just standing up and saying, we believe the word of God. For just standing up and saying, I'm not going to do what the world does. I'm going to continue to speak and act like I'm a believer. That's what they were thrown into prison for. And they were thrown in uh, to prison, commanding the um, jailer to keep them securely. So having received such a charge, I mean, these guys were treated like they were heightened criminals. I mean, that, if you go into what that all means, it was the head guy of the prison, the jailer, not just somebody with a bunch of keys going around. This was the guy, like the commander of the prison. And they said, we want you to treat this guy as though, these guys as though they are an extreme threat. So having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison, fastened their feet in stocks. That was a piece of wood that meant their legs were stretched into holes in the piece of wood, which meant you couldn't stand. Now the inner cell, some people say, was something you couldn't stand in anyway. So depending on what your interpretation, we're talking about something that you were... You were squashed in. Your legs are splayed. You've already been hit with rods, beaten with rods, with many stripes. So just imagine the situation here. So there's blood, there's pain. There could be broken bones. If you get somebody with a rod in the right place, you're going to break a you know, collarbone easily. And they're in the inner cell. <laughs> could it get any worse? Verse 25, but, I, I love the buts in, in the Bible. Often we refer to the buts where God breaks through. But God, 
We love the but God scriptures. <laughs> I love them. But God who is rich in mercy. But God. But this wasn't a but God moment. You see, sometimes we want a but God moment, but we need to have a but Julian moment. Hello? You see, we all want the but God moments. But God healed the sick. But God broke through. But God spoke. But God opened heaven and poured out his glory. But God shook the place. But God, we want the but God moments. But, you know, I'm sure you know this story, a lot of you. The but God moment happens further down the road here. But the but God moment happens because of a but Paul and Silas moment. Is there anybody here today? And I believe it's time for Citygate Church to have some but God moments as a result of some but faith stirred moments. But the Holy Ghost started to stir on the inside of people. But praise and worship started to explode. But people started to get excited about the Lord Jesus Christ. But people started to say, I'm not going to live like the world tells me to live. I'm going to live like the Word tells me to live. Can we have some butt city gate moments? Can we have some? Some butt city gate moments. It says, but at midnight, obviously all the analogies there, the darkest moment. I don't know if you've ever had a sleepless night. And those thoughts are crowding into your head. That it's all going wrong or it's all failing or it's never going to work or it's all bad news. You know, the night seasons are the times you've got to put your faith on. Got to put your faith on them. Got to put your faith on them. I know what that's like. <laughs> I think in the book of Acts series, I'm getting a little bit transparent here. For over 18 months, every night at three o'clock in the morning, I was wide awake. Because of stuff. Because of stuff. And you just got to keep doing life and you got to keep doing what you believe and you got to keep doing, you got to keep doing and between sort of three and 5.30, demons come. Can I call them Demons. It's as if you open your eyes and they're sitting straddled across your head going, hello, we're here. This is midnight. Midnight. An ideal moment for them to go, had enough of this. Hello, had enough of this. God never said this was going to happen. In fact, we'll find out why it happened in a minute. But at the darkest hour, Paul and Silas were praying. (laughs) They were praying, singing hymns to God. And everybody else was listening to them. Suddenly, you see, there's the but God moment. You see, when you have a but, Faith moment, a but praise moment, you're going to have some suddenly moments from the glory of God. You're going to have some. But you've got to get to grips with your own but moment. What are you going to do in the darkest hour? What are you going to do 
when all hell is breaking loose. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaking. And immediately, all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. The keeper of the prison, getting up from his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice saying, don't harm yourself, we're all here. (laughs) He called for a light and he ran in and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out saying, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Awesome. So they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of God, the word of the Lord to him, and all who were of his family, they were all baptized. Uh, sorry, all who were in his house, I jumped down. And he took then the same hour of the night, he washed their stripes. Isn't it amazing? The fruits of salvation were immediately evident. The fruits of salvation were immediately evident. See, when God moves in, so does kindness. So does humility. So does repentance. Don't tell me you're saved and you're acting the same way as you did yesterday. Hello? That's not law. That's new nature. When I gave my life to Christ, I gave my life to Christ and he recreated me on the inside. The language stopped. The hatred stopped. I had to build character, but sin stopped. All that stuff I was involved in. Are you with me? Fruits of repentance were immediately evident. The same one that had locked them in the inner cell, put their feet in the stocks, you know, that attitude, throw away the key on you guys. Now he's trying to heal them. Now he's got a compassion because he's just got saved. Washed their stripes immediately. He and all his family were baptized. Now when he'd brought them into his house, took them home. He set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God and all his household. (laughs) And after it was the daylight, those who had thrown him in there as a paraphrase say, Uh, Let me read it, okay. Officers, they said, let those men go. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. So therefore now depart, go in shalom, go in peace. But Paul said, no, they've beaten us openly. They got to come and set us free properly. Let them come themselves and let us go out. And the officers told these words to the magistrates. They were afraid because they heard they were Romans. And they came and they pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So they went out from the prison and entered somebody else's house, the brethren, and they encouraged them and they departed. So amazing turnaround. Today I want to talk about praise in the prison. Can we give it up for that title? I like that title. That's a great title. Praise in the prison. Just before we get into some some individual points here, just some things just to lay a bit of a foundation. It's really important that we allow God's word to lead our lives. That we allow what God says to be instant. We have instant obedience. If you go back to the end of the chapter before, 
See, Paul has a dream. And an angel comes or a man comes and says, come to Macedonia. It's a vision. It's a dream. Come to Macedonia. So he gets up the next day, says, we go to Macedonia. Literally, immediately, they depart on the basis of one dream that we know of. I want to encourage us that God is a God who speaks. Heard somebody speak this morning about hearing God's still small voice, the whisper. God speaks. God shows pictures. Come to academy, you'll find out how to see the pictures that God's already been giving you. And I think sometimes we're a bit like the immovable object. That we get a sense from God, but we need 10 confirmations. We need a prophetic word. We need to see an angel. And the pastor just has to be speaking on that word that I got the week after. (laughs) I'm so glad that very early on in my life, I learned, well, I'm going to go anyway. I'm going to go anyway because it's from a good place of a good heart, from a heart of faith, expecting that this is the word of God to come through in line with scripture. So I would prefer God to stop me, which he's committed to. I will shut doors, God has said. The doors he wants to shut are when you're going for God and it's like, I believe God has said this to me and you're you're going for it and God says, well, I love your zeal, I love your faith, I love your enthusiasm, but it's not quite right. Let's close that door and you in your wound up state, let's sort of move you over there and send you that way. Amen. Amen. Isn't that far better than somebody sitting down being immovable because they want their 10 confirmations and they want to see an angel? Hello? I'm not talking about being careless. I'm talking about being sensitive to the Holy Ghost. That must be our first priority as believers is my sheep know my voice. It's got to be central to who we are. Not my sheep get a prophetic word. Not my sheep get grabbed by other mature believers and say, come on, stir yourself up now. Stir yourself up now. Can't you hear what God's saying? My Can we all say that? My sheep know my voice. Let's just lift our right hand in the air. That's what Abraham did. Say, I'm a sheep. I know the voice of God. It's as easy as that. It's as easy as that. Why do we think it's difficult to hear the voice of God? It's not difficult. It's natural. Every mother knows the voice of their baby. And every child knows the voice of their parents. You better believe it. I can remember I was at a party at my parents' house. And um, it was like an anniversary. I think it was the 50th anniversary, wedding anniversary or something like that. And we No, it must have been this. Because how old was Michael? He must have been about four. Christopher, about four. So 24 years ago. I don't know how long you've been married then, mum. Tell me later. Anyway, so we were in the... In the, in the house and we were having, you know, we were standing around sort of cocktail party and mum's friends and we were there and um, suddenly I hear this sort of, not a scream, but this sort of voice of discomfort or whatever, a bit of a cry in there and I knew that was Christopher. 
and he was out the other side through the next room into the, into the, into the conservatory and I was with a group of people and I heard it and I turned and I pushed through. I don't know if drinks went anywhere, but it's like something kicked in because I heard the voice of my son and he'd fallen off my dad's organ seat and fallen onto the pedals in the organ. And he was fine. My sheep know my voice. Paul had a vision and moved. He had a vision and moved. Now that doesn't mean we all just go and do crazy stuff. But Paul got a vision and moved. And the, this man was saying, come to Macedonia. That's all he said. Aren't you glad the man didn't say, come to Macedonia, you'll set a, a girl free, you'll be beaten with rods, you'll be put in stocks, you'll be put in the inner cell and left for dead. Yeah. <laughs> Paul would have said, I need my 10 confirmations. <laughs> <laughs> he just said, come to Macedonia. And I don't know about you, but when God speaks to me and says, go and do something, I expect the best. But God's got a big picture. It's not about you and it's not about me. It's about his kingdom. There was immediate obedience. Can I say this? When you know you've heard from God, whatever follows can be overcome. Let that sink in. When you know you've heard from God, whatever follows, good, bad, or ugly, you know it can be overcome. When God spoke about this property, ring the Royal Mail, came through the back doors here, came through here, God said, it's yours, do everything I say, you'll get it. I knew it. I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew. Whatever followed, all of the rejections, all of the no closed doors from the banks, everything that happened was just like, well, okay. Well, all right. Well, okay. Doesn't change what God said. We know we can overcome anything that we face when we know we've got a word from God at the beginning of the journey. Can I hear an amen this morning? So can I say, get a word from God. When all hell breaks loose, when persecution comes from being on fire from God, not from being a pain in the butt, can I just say. Persecution is not about I'm a pain in the butt and I'm being persecuted for it. It's I'm shining and I'm being persecuted for it. Amen? When all this stuff happens, be led by the, the Spirit of God on the inside, by the Word of God, the written Word of God. Because that is how we live our lives. So, let's begin to think about this whole situation, praise in the prison. Praise in the, can we say that? Praise in the prison? Praise in the prison. Praise in the prison. Could have called it praise at midnight. Could have called it praise in the inner cell. Could have called it praise when all hell breaks loose. Could have called it praise when you want to give up. Could have called it praise when it doesn't get any worse than this. <laughs> but I just called it praise in the prison. The first thing that we've got to understand and decide if we're going to see a suddenly moment from God and prison doors open and the, and the foundations shaking. The first thing is we've got to praise in the pain. 
God, a praise in the pain. Praise in the pain. Arrested, beaten, stocks. Isn't it amazing? You don't hear one word of resentment. You don't hear one word of unforgiveness, criticism. It's not fair. Why is this happening to me? Don't hear any of that. You just hear joy and the fruits of salvation. Let's go back to the picture, shall we? I'm not going to get on the floor. It'll just whatever. I've got tight jeans on. I won't get up again. You know, leg. Blood. Perhaps some broken bones. Don't know. All that's pouring out is what's on the inside, which is the person of the Christ, the Holy Ghost, the fruit, the love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness. Against such things, there is no law. Can I put it this way? There isn't anything on the outside that can stop what you got on the inside. Nothing. But sometimes... There will be pain in our lives that will cause us to cry from a depth that you don't normally cry from. You ever been there? Sure people have. Cry from a depth that you've never cried from before. I reckon this was the greatest praise time they ever had. Just a thought. It needed to be. Because it was probably the greatest trial they ever had. Along with all the others. See, you've got to learn how to praise in the pain. In the inner cell of life. From the inner cell of life. But what's on the inside is going to come out. So isn't it? Isn't the best thing to do to learn how to praise God when things are good? Isn't that the best thing to do? Learn how to praise God when things are good. Because I can guarantee you this. If they didn't know how to pray and praise when things are good, they sure as heck aren't going to do it when they're in the inner cell. Not going to happen. See, don't think... Ah, when the pressure's on, I'll have faith. If you're not built any, you ain't got any. Don't think if you've not learned how to forgive in the easy times when somebody cuts you up on the motorway. If you don't know how to forgive then, what are you going to do when something really serious happens? Like abuse in whatever way. If you haven't learned to forgive the easy stuff, you never, don't fool yourself and say, oh, I'll have the grace of God in that moment. You got the grace of God now. Same grace. Same grace. We've got to avail ourselves of this stuff when it's easy. Because then we've got it developed and strengthened when it's not easy. When it's tough. When you're beaten in the inner cell of life. Best to turn to God when things are good. Can I say, let's all be going to the to Almighty God and the throne of grace, not the pastor. 
And I don't just mean me. I know there's whole denominations where I've got a problem. And I'm, I'm not just talking about Sharon and I here. The principle of this thing. Can we have a first thought of going to the throne? Can we have a first thought of going to the Word of God? Can we have a first thought of going to prayer? A first thought? Let's go to God. The Bible actually says, James chapter 5, is if anyone's suffering, and that word means exactly what Paul is going through, afflicted, ill-treated. That's what that word means. If anyone's suffering, let him pray. Is what James clearly says. A statement. Anyone afflicted, anyone beaten, anyone in the inner cell, let him pray. Oh, I've got so many things here about praising the pain. You know, I've got stuff in my notes like, stop complaining. (laughs) Elsewhere in the book of Acts, when people go through persecution, it says they come out excited. What an honor. We were beaten up for preaching the name of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Let's do it again. I mean, that's what happened. Came out, went straight back to where they were arrested from and preached. That happened a number of times. What an honor. Wow. We were abused for praying in public. Hallelujah. Let's do it again. What an honor. What an honor. You see, we got to change our perspective of persecution. And I'm not a persecution-minded person, but we are living in darkness, yeah? And we are the light. The darkness cannot overcome the light, but the darkness sure hates the light. So the more we shine, the more they're not going to like it, and they're going to want to try to squash your light. So the more they're going to do stuff to try to say, you can't say that about gender. You can't say that about other stuff. You can't say that anymore. Well, I'm sorry, we're going to say it because we've got to be light in the darkness. We've got to be a city on a hill. And then we've got to rejoice in whatever the outcomes are. Amen? Okay. Why is it some people need a depth of pain to have a height of praise? Why is it? Why is it people need a depth of pain in order to get them into a height of praise? That's a question. I'm not going to answer it. Let's develop a lifestyle of prayer and praise. Praise in the pain. Praise when it's tough. Praise when it's, it's, it's heavy. Praise when the spirit of heaviness is trying to squash your life. That's the time when the oil of joy flows best. I mean, come to Academy, you'll find out all about the thorn in Paul's flesh. and What that was all about. And Paul found out the key of that, said, even when my flesh is weak, I'm a world overcomer. Even when I'm feeling bad, the, the anointing of God is strong upon my life. The presence of God is not dependent on your flesh, it's dependent on your spirit. <coughs> praise in the pain. Look at someone say, praise in the pain. Okay, number two, praise in the prison. Well, obviously, that's what I've called this whole thing. What is a prison? A prison is a place of confinement. 
The whole purpose of a prison is to restrict your movements in society. That's the whole point of a prison. We can't let you out on the streets. That's the whole point of a prison. But this isn't, for us today, we're not in a physical prison. But the enemy likes to try to put us in prisons. What does that mean? The enemy's prisons are to confine our movement in the kingdom. To confine, to restrict our joy, to restrict our faith, to restrict our forgiveness, to restrict our vision, to restrict our purpose in God. The enemy's prisons may not be physical doors and physical stocks, but they come every day. The enemy wants to put you in a prison to restrict who you are in God, to restrict your joy, to restrict your mountain moving ability, to restrict your peace, to restrict your faith, to restrict your generosity. But this is important to to understand from the start, and this is what Paul and Silas knew going into the prison. We are people who live from the inside not from the outside. We live from the inside. Are you getting anything out of this today? I hope this is all right. We're people who live from the inside, not from the outside. Our lives are not determined by our surroundings. Our lives are determined by our inner relationship with God, our inner strength, our inner health. The Apostle Paul said in the book of Philippians, which actually is where this, church started from is here in this prison he said doesn't matter I know how to be abased I know how to abound that's not a poverty preaching verse oh God sometimes wants you poor it's not what he's saying in absolute in absolute context of that even when I'm beaten with rods I'm an overcomer are you with me even when the enemy's trying to put me in a prison I can do all things who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me on the inside of my life. And he's speaking to people that their church started in that prison cell that day. Wow. If everything we do starts in prayer and praise, it doesn't matter the circumstances we find ourselves in. If everything we do starts with prayer and praise, doesn't matter where we are because we've already started we don't need as much as I love my band as much as I love this building as much as I love lights as much as I love nice chairs as much as I love good refreshments great toilets got to have great toilets as much as I love all the stuff that is good for my flesh as much as I love all of that and we've always championed that we've always been a church on the cutting edge before it was fashionable to be like we are we were like this if you were to come to our church 31 years ago this is what we were like. I can remember one extremely 
well-known guy in the praise and worship scene, you'd know who I meant, who, who I'm speaking about if I said his name, been here. He said, 30 years ago, there was no one in London like what you were doing. Don't, I'm not saying that with arrogance. I'm saying that with this is who we are. We're not trying to catch up. We've always been a pioneering church. Always. And we will always continue to be a pioneering church because I believe we're here to break through and get that 97.2% of people that don't attend church into church somehow. It's why, it's why we're here. It's why we do what we do. But heaven forbid, you know, we don't need external band lights. We don't need external media. Thank God for the tools. But if we depend on the external, we are sunk. And I say it that straight. We are sunk. If we need a great band to praise God and get excited about Jesus, then we're not even praising God. We're just getting excited. If we need a LED screen to put some words up there or else we can't praise God, we're sunk already. If I don't know how to say, praise you, Jesus, thank you, Lord, and I need some words on a screen to tell me what to say, I'm not praising God from my heart. Now, we need to sing together. Please, I'm not, don't take this in its extremes. But what I'm saying is, Paul and Silas in the inner cell, they didn't have a hymn sheet. They didn't have a band. They didn't have media. They didn't have lights. They didn't have air conditioning. They didn't have nice oil to pour on their wounds. They didn't have any of that. They had stocks. They had blood. They had whatever they had. And they still were going, hallelujah, because everybody was listening to them. They weren't apologising, they weren't being gentle, they weren't being, oh, just, you know, we've got to be careful here, we don't want to offend anybody, we're already in here for praising God publicly. Man. We don't need the external. What we need is fire on the inside. I love that first song we sung today. We will burn, 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 burn. What are we going to do? We're going to burn. What does burn look like? Hallelujah! That's what burn looks like. Burn means, can I tell you about Jesus? Burn means, God, I'm going to pray and pray and pray till something happens. That's what burn looks like. Burn is a fire on the inside. And these guys had it. They had it. I don't care what they felt like, they had a fire. I don't care what their circumstances said, they had a fire. I don't care that they might have been stoned the next day, they had a fire on the inside that could not be quenched. It could not be held back. It could not be silenced. It could not be squashed. It could not be held down. It was a fire of the Holy Ghost on the inside that said, I'm going to praise God no matter what. I'm going to praise God in the prison. Hallelujah. Oh, I need to move on because I'm out of time. But this is good stuff. Jesus said this, when you pray, turn on the lights, turn on the PA, get a great band because otherwise you're stuck. Is that what he said? No, he said this, when you pray, go into a cupboard and shut the door. If you can't do it behind a closed door, I'm not even going to make the opposite analogy there. 
I think the point's made. I can remember when I first got saved, I used to go around to my brother's place and, you know, other people used to go there and we, you know, used to discuss and talk about the Bible and I'm out of breath and stuff like that. I've been jumping about. And um, one day we went in there was knock, knock, knock. I thought, what is that? Knock, knock, knock. He lived with another guy in, it was like a work flat. And there was like, knock, knock, knock. I thought, where's that coming from? Going around the flat. And it was coming, he had a little... A little cupboard, when I say a little cupboard, I'm talking about like three foot by two foot cupboard, like an under the stairs type cupboard. And this knot was coming from there and it had an external latch on it. And we undid the latch and it was his flatmate, a guy called Dave. He said, oh, I'm glad you've come in. I've been in here since seven o'clock this morning. And this was late in the afternoon. He'd been in there about eight hours. And he used to go in there to pray. That's what he did. He went in there to pray, but the latch fell down. <laughs> so he took seriously when you go into, your, into prayer, go into a cupboard, close the door. See, Paul and Silas led themselves. Can you lead yourself in praise and worship? Can you lead yourself in prayer? It's really important when a praise leader or somebody says, come on, let's all lift our hands. Because that's a corporate expression. And corporate stuff is really important in the Bible. When they all shouted, the walls came down. Not when 99% of them did. The, the whole thing of a corporate expression, really powerful. When they all prayed, the building shook and the Holy Ghost came in. All is really important in the church. But there's also times you just lead yourself. You just lead yourself. Not to be independent and be an eyesore in the church and be the one everybody looks at. And it's all about me, 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 come down here with your little bare feet and wave your olive branch. It's not what we do. <laughs> Hello. But you still got to lead yourself. Lead yourself in prayer. Lead yourself in praise and worship. Number three, praise brings in God's presence. Can we say praise in the pain? Praise, praise in the prison? Praise brings in God's presence. Worship brings in the breath of God. Worship brings in the breath of God. The air of the Holy Ghost. Now, we need air to breathe. We need the air of the Holy Ghost. To live, to breathe. Breathe in. I've just breathed in God. No, no, of course not. But there's the time to sort of go, God, will you fill me? Just do something by faith. As a point of contact, whether it's hitting the ground with arrows, laying hands on somebody. Points of contacts are really important. And to have an understanding that we breathe in the presence of God is really important. We breathe in the presence. The air we breathe in, in the presence of God, has got faith in it. Has got health in it. Has got joy in it. Has got love 
in it. All the things of the Holy Spirit. It's got patience in it. The air we breathe. You see, you can either go into somewhere and breathe the stagnant air of the world, or you can come into the corporate presence of God and breathe in the beautiful presence of God's Spirit that fills you and fills you and fills you and cleanses you and refreshes you. Have you ever seen a pair of lungs filled with tar from the days of smoking? You ever seen those? That's what the world puts in. We've got beautiful, clean lungs in the presence of God as we breathe in the presence of the Holy Spirit. As we breathe in the presence of God, there's refreshing in it. Wisdom in the air that we breathe. We're just going into a holiday season. Some people are going to come back just as exhausted as the day they went. (laughs) It's all right, we have a little joke here. It's fine. We do a lot on holiday. We're not horizontal beach people. I mean, I think, you know, we're just about to go away for a little bit. We land at 10 o'clock. At 2 o'clock, my two boys are up a cliff. Cliff face, literally, cliff face for four hours. Then the next day, well, we're doing something else. And the next day, they're skiing down the Alps for a day. Let's have a go. Oh, we've got so much scuba diving going on and stuff happening. We're going to come back and go, give me some breath, God. But even if you're horizontal sort of people, some people still come back still come back more exhausted than when they went because it's not a physical holiday you need. It's a spiritual one. It's a presence of God refreshing you need. You can be in the middle of worn out land and be full of energy. Seriously. Because you're breathing in the Spirit of God. You're breathing in the presence of God. Some people you go and see and they drain the life out of you. Other people, you get refreshed from a conversation with them. Some people I've had to pastor. I don't, I don't actually pastor people, but some people over the years, we've done it for years, you know, you pastor people, you go and see them and you're there to encourage them and you come back refreshed because they're so full of God. You're thinking, I came to encourage you in the middle of your turmoil and yet, look, you're just pouring out the presence of God. You've refreshed my life. Doesn't Paul say that? You've refreshed my life. In the epistles. God's presence doesn't come with a frown. You know some people. I'm in the presence of God. (laughs) I know what I think that looks like. (laughs) Presence of God doesn't come with a frown. It comes with a smile. Really? Now, I know for a long time, Christian tradition almost preached and often did preach that the presence of God is this place that's intense (laughs) and heavy. And where have you been in the presence of God, brother? It's like, really? I don't want to go there. In his presence is. Joy everlasting, full of glory. There's some stuff about a year and a half ago, Abimbola sent me a clip 
of, um, of ORU and what was going on over there. And it was this guy who started to give his testimony and um, the laughter broke out. I still go back to that. Thank you for sending it to me. I still go back to that regularly. And just the presence of God brings laughter and joy. Even in the inner cell. Even in the pain. The joy of the Holy Ghost. Now we know God's presence opened the prison doors. But that's not why they praised God. They didn't praise God to get out. They praised God to bring God in. If God's in this prison, I can stay here. No issue. I know he's got to preach the gospel and whatever else. But if God's in here with me, I can stay in the inner cell. No hassle. I need to bring God in to this prison. Now we know God will not be confined. So when God moves in, the prison doors open. But I'm not going to preach about all the doors opening and all the prison opening because I want to talk about what caused all of that, which is praise in the prison. Hope you're getting something out of this. Finally, as we close, thank you, Joyce. They didn't have a Joyce in the prison. <laughs> but I'm glad I've got one here today. Because it is Bible. When they, when they played, they prophesied. So it is Bible to play, but when it's the external, yeah? Number four, praise fulfills purpose. Can we say praise in the pain? Praise in the prison? Praise brings in the presence? Praise fulfills purpose. Why did God give a vision to Paul? Come to Macedonia. Let's go back to that. It's easy to lose sight of that. In fact, I've heard this preached so many times about praise in the prison and whatever else and the Holy Spirit in the prison and the praise and the prayer in the inner cell. But so many people leave out what happened the chapter before. Come here. God knew all of this stuff was going to happen. Now, I'm a prosperity preacher, a faith preacher, a health and wealth preacher. Absolutely. But I preached that in the middle of the mess, you can prosper. In the mid- Not that there will be no mess. In the middle of the problem, you can be healed and get hold of your healing. Now, our faith can keep us from a lot of stuff we don't have to have. But this is a persecution situation. It's not a a curse situation. We're redeemed from the curse. We're not redeemed from persecution. And so here he is in the inner cell. Why is he in the cell? And some of you are going to struggle with this one. I'm not going to say God put him there. But God, let's just say it like this. God had a church he wanted to start there. I'll put it like that. God had a church he wanted to start in that inner cell. And he wanted it to be, and this is the most amazing thing. This church from the greatest trial and the greatest oppression became Paul's greatest partner church. Stuck with him to the end. Nobody else partnered with Paul like the Philippian church. The pastor, really, the first guy was the jailer. 
I'm not saying he was putting the ministry in that thing, but his family came in and then his friends came in. They started the church. See, the Philippian church began in the most horrendous of circumstances. It could so easily be a, have been aborted by attitude, entitlement, complaining, or giving up. We would never have had the Philippian church if Paul and Silas had moaned, complained. Not fair. So let's just close with this, shall we? And I know I could get a shouting and jumping and dancing, but let this be lifestyle. This, that, that's really on my heart. The greatest challenge, restriction or battle will be your greatest testimony that will stick with you to the end. It will be. It will be. Everything the enemy meant for evil will be the very testimony that God gets the greatest glory out of your life. Let's all stand to our feet, shall we? Let's say praise in the pain, praise in the prison. Praise brings in God's presence. Praise fulfills purpose. Can we lift our hands here today and stand in the presence of God? Lord, as we stand in your presence, we got it easy. No matter what anybody's going through, we've got it easy. We've got it easy. Firstly, Lord, forgive us for complaining and moaning when we've got it easy. But Father, right now, we just make a quality decision that we will praise in the pain. We will praise in the, pr the prison. And Lord, it's not dependent on anything external. It'll be the stirred up river of joy. Because this is a, Lord, they celebrated in the prison. They didn't just cry. It was a celebration they were singing. Father, we thank you that you will turn situations around. We know you're going to open prison doors. We know you're going to cause the chains to come loose. We know all of that. But that's not why we praise you, God. We praise you because we love you and because you are great. We praise you because we want to do life with you and bring you into every circumstance. Lord, we refuse to allow the enemy to put us in prisons that restrict our joy, our peace, our love, our forgiveness. Thank you, God, that no prison can ever stop the river flowing out from our heart. Father, we thank you for your presence right now. Lord, I pray as a result of this word and lifestyle of praise and prayer, as a first thought, that your presence, please God, you said it would, would invade every situation. Lord, in the same way, the suddenlies that we've just read in your word, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. And right now, with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you are here today and you've never received 
Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior online, please listen to me. In this room today, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, perhaps you say, it's too painful. I didn't expect it to hurt. Where's Jesus? Can I say, you can bring him in. He's there anyway. If you're here today and you need to give your life to Jesus, actually more scripturally, to declare him to be your Lord and Savior, that he was raised from the dead, he died for your sin, for your life, to, to redeem you out of the pit, out of the mud and the mire and set your feet on the rock of life, which is Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus as Lord, this is not just, oh, I think I believe in God. No, friend, you must be born again. You need to receive Jesus as Lord. You have an eternity ahead of you that is settled with one decision and the lifestyle that follows. The one decision is, Jesus, come into my life. Will you do a work on the inside of me to bring me out of darkness into light? Lord, will you save my life? I can't do this on my own. Friends, you can never be good enough. You can never be holy enough. You can never love enough. You can never, you can never make your own way to heaven. That's why Jesus had to come. You can't get to heaven anyway except by receiving the Lord of heaven. Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus as Lord or you know you've got to come back to God. You've got to say, Jesus, yeah, I know I need to receive you as my Lord and Savior. I know I did, but you know what? I've been one of those people that have not been praising you in the prison. And what I say I believe, I'm not living. If that's you today and either one of those with every eye closed and every head bowed and you want to say to me, Pastor Jay, will you pray with me? I want to receive Jesus as Lord for the first time or to come back to God. Will you just be really bold and really confident? These guys were bold in the inner cell. They jumped, well, they couldn't jump. They shouted, they sang hymns, they prayed and the whole prison, even though they were locked in the inner cell, the whole prison could hear them. All of heaven's eyes are upon this room right now. Are you gonna receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior or are you gonna let this opportunity go by? Friend, please come to God today. If that's you, would you please lift your hand in this auditorium right now please to say yes to God in this room online wonderful please will you give your life to Christ today I implore you to receive Jesus as Lord is there anybody here today is there anybody in this room you need to come back to God I really feel that just come on don't let this opportunity go past you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Is there anybody here today? Well, let's all pray this prayer that we prayed many times. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me. You've shown your love by sending your son, Jesus. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe you died for me. I believe you've been raised from the dead. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And by the help of your grace and your power, I'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God some praise in the house?